You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Clive Barker is an internationally acclaimed writer, director, artist, and playwright. His latest novel is Mr. Be Gone. Thank you for joining me, Clive. Very happy to be here. Your career began with the Books of Blood, mm-hmm. um, and, and those are really groundbreaking pieces uh, of work. Uh, I want to ask you uh, to just take me through your uh, a, a quick version of how you Start, came to write those books. You were a playwright when you started writing the books of blood. I was. I was writing what I was writing for a, for you know a small uh, what what we call in America equity waiver company, but we call fringe theater in England. You know, a company that was you know had no money, but you know we were we were writing. I was writing ambitious plays um, uh, for the company, and those plays have now found audiences here. Which wonderful I charge a dollar for the the right so that so that small companies can afford to do them and uh, she has a production of history of the devil which is which is kind of speaks for itself in terms of its content um, I think that's opening uh, relatively close to LA very soon and so every now and then I'll pop off and, and see one of the one of the shows being done um, how old were you when you were when this was taking place? I was it was going on through my through my twenties. Okay. I was unemployed until I was twenty until I, until I, from the time I left university till till I was thirty one. I never I never worked for a man. Oh wow! Well, that that must have been helpful in in your ability to get outside the box. I lived outside the box. <laughs> I mean, a, you know, a gay man lives outside the box anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yes, uh, and 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 uh, I was I was uh, I became aware of my sexuality at a time when England still jailed regularly jailed uh, men who were homosexual, and Wolfenden Report came along in what 1968, I think. That point, homosexuality becomes legal. In 1968, I was 16. So everything that I had learned about being what happened to homosexuals was really bad news. And uh, it had. It, I think if 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 I had to pick one thing in the social slash political arena which has shaped me more than anything else it would be that fact now you're when you're working in the days you you've got plays you're writing the plays during the days and you're yeah. directing them you've got some, some actors yeah what made you decide to start writing really really extreme horror stories at night i was were you writing at night? Yeah, I was writing at night, absolutely. And I was, I had the ideas. They didn't work as plays. Um, I loved horror movies. I had no access to making horror movies. 
even though I made some little avant-garde pitches on 16 mil, um, I, I I couldn't see how I was ever going to be able to make movies. I mean, I was a kid from Liverpool, you know. My dad worked on the docks. My, you know, I, w I, w I didn't have a, I didn't have a, my head couldn't get around the idea of how I would ever get access to the, the tools to to make uh, to make movies the way Cronenberg made movies, for instance. And David Cronenberg's pitches were pitches I saw. Uh, you just have to help me with the dates here, but I don't know when Shivers came out or whatever, but I remember. Any idea? Oh, boy. Um, I'm thinking that must have been... 70-something. 76? 76. Maybe I can't Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's almost like 24. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, you know, that was a movie that, you know, just really it blew me away because it was so intense and so graphic. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, God, I would love to do that. And and so I just started to write things down. And I gave four stories, I think, to my edit, to my uh, agent, who was a theatrical agent, and not having a lot of luck selling my plays. And uh, uh, he, very nice uh, gay man, who was hopelessly appalled by the stories. I mean, just like, oh my God, what are these things? You know, what are you thinking? And I said, well, they're, you know, do you think they're badly written? He said, no, no, they're very well written. That's part of the problem. <laughs> but they're very well written. They're very effective. And he sent them to Gollatz, which is a science fiction house, as you know, in LA, in uh, in London, and Livia Gollads, who ran the place at that time, um, a somewhat high-minded lady, uh, 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 you know, twin set and pearls kind of uh, lady, apparently threw them across the room and said, these are disgusting, Phil, take them away. So that was that. And Vernon, my agent, said, look, come on, this is Olivia Collins. I mean, she's 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 given you the final word. I said, you've only sent them to one one house. Try you know, at least try one more place. And I said, send them to send them to somebody who publishes hardcore scary fiction. Uh, don't try the high the high literary end because they're not high literature. They're they're meant to be scary, grab them by the balls and scare the hell out of people's stories. And Sphere books, uh, well, that was my choice. I said something to Sphere. And there was a lady there called Barbara Boot who was, I think at that time, not an editor, but an assistant who found them um, Oh, good luck. I mean, there's no reason in hell why they, you know, they should have been plucked from the slush pile. But she came back to Vernon and said, does he have any more? And I said, I had to tell Vernon I didn't, but I had a lot of ideas for more. And they said, well, would you be willing to create enough for three books? And I said, 
three books, you could guess, because we'd like to publish them all at the same time. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed, the phone was in the bedroom, and physically pinching myself, actually just my right hand pinching my left arm. <laughs> uh, because it was just, you know, I was 30. And, uh, you know, you start to think, well, nothing's ever going to happen. You know, uh, all my dreams are just dreams. And it's just never going to happen. So I pinched myself and went to lunch uh, with them. And they paid me the princely sum of 2,000 pounds for three, the three books. World rights. <laughs> World rights. And, um, which I'm sure they're laughing about even now, but Vernon knew nothing about book deals, so he gave up world rights for, for, for the three books for 2,000 pounds. Um, I still sigh about that one, but, but, you know, if I had to do it again, of course, you'd sign on the dotted line because it was a chance, it was an opportunity, and it was a wonderful opportunity. And the idea that they would do three at the same time uh, really, uh, really helped the idea that, 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 that people would maybe take a little bit of notice, which they didn't. <laughs> and the books went completely unreviewed by everybody. No one was a single review. Yeah. Now they were paperback originals. You I know. remember seeing them actually you when do. they first came out. They I used to go to a drugstore in uh, Monterey Park, and it was uh, when I worked at the Blood Factory. Yeah, I I would take my lunches, and they, this this drugstore had a really odd selection of books. They had the British versions of the Robert R. McCammon books, which were, which were sphere books. Of course. And they had, and I remember seeing those three green paperbacks. Yeah, 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 with, with those, those twisted faces. Yeah, the twisted faces covers, and I go, what the heck yeah, yeah, is that? Yeah, but, yeah. but it was had a blurb from Ramsey Campbell, who yeah. I, whom I had read from elsewhere, and I said, well, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Maybe I can take a look at these. So you had a look? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. They were that wonderful. That is so wonderful. That is such a great story. Thank you. I mean, what's interesting is, um, it was really two. It was really two reviews by other authors. One was Ramsey Campbell, the other was Stephen King, that really helped the profile of the books. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, I don't think I would have had a cat and house chance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think um, there was a lot of horror being produced back then. I mean, that was that was that was the time. You know, Steve was very successful. Peter Stroud was coming along there. A lot of stuff being produced, as you say. Robert McCammon was doing his thing. I was producing. I had produced out of ignorance, frankly, short stories, mm -hmm. which were not a very popular form uh, in, in collections. But I, I've been inspired by um, Dark Forces, which was a collection. Kirby McCauley. Kirby McCauley. Yeah, wonderful collection. Well, I remember that. Definitive to my mind. Right. You know? There's a phenomenal story in there by uh, T.E.D. Klein, uh, Children of the... Uh, uh, God, I can't remember the title, but the, it was very creepy, and I can... Yeah, Children of the... Yeah, absolutely. There's also... Um, there's also an Edward Gorey illustration. Right. Uh, there's, 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 a, there's a, 
a, a sort of a gory uh, poem with 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 illustrations. There's um, the mist mm-hmm. finishes yeah. off with the mist. Stephen King's the mist. It has a Ray Bradbury story in it. Uh, it was uh, as you said, it had a TV uh, TD client story. It had a uh, 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 Isaac Singer story. Right, and of course Ramsey Campbell. And Ramsey. Um, it was, uh, it, it seemed to me entirely definitive. Um, and I, th- I was just blown away by it. And I thought, oh, that was really, that was really the little seed. Because I thought, in my arrogant way, what, well, I, what, hap- what would happen if I tried to do that? But it all came from me, you know. What would happen if I tried to do Dark Forces? But with all that incredible variation of tone, that's one of the things that that always struck me about the Books of Blood was that there was such a variety of tone and subject. Now, one of the stories I have to thank Kirby for that. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I really do. I uh-huh. mean, you know, the, there was a model for that, and that, and it was, and you know. It was it was looking at Kirby stuff and when I say Kirby stuff, it was looking at a book which Kirby had brilliantly edited, and 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 seeing the horror had this incredible uh, breadth, and that 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 was exciting to me. These stories went on your stories in particular, uh, the books of blood went on to inspire a, a, a new generation of writers, I mean, and actually become one of the, the seed points uh, for a collection by Jeff Vandermeer, the, the New yeah. Weird. Yeah, and, and Which I is, a, I have to say, I really like that collection. I mean, it's just, uh, The New Weird is just a wonderful title right there. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on how the Books of Blood informed the new weird and, and this idea of you know being a precursor or the the seedling to to a, a literary movement i can't that that's that's beyond me i'm i'm not i'm not being mock humble or anything like that i just i can't go there my head won't go there because i think it will be highly pretentious honestly for me to be pontificating about that i mean it's incredibly kind of you to say that um well no it's in the it's 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 not just me it's jeff vandermeer so tell tell me i mean you you did you did i'm uh, squirming i'm squirming i know i I said i'm afraid we're gonna have an x-men mutant moment (laughs) um uh no uh I, I really want to know, uh, you know, when you look at, at the work of, say, China Miesel yeah. and Jeff Vandermeer, these are yeah. people who specifically point to to you, uh, and, and yeah. so, um, and, and this is a, I think, a, a, a bona fide literary movement that kind of separates, that encapsulates a, a new sensibility, a new sensibility, and, and that's a sensibility that you really, uh, I think, helped invent. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I'm still going to have all those caveats that I had before about sort of feeling a little weird about this, but let me throw what I know about. I think that there were things in the air. I think there were things in the air that, that, uh, that 
that were about politics, that were about sexuality, that were about um, the shape of fiction. Um, um, I think we started to see movies, horror movies and fantasy movies change. Um, very often physically change, that is the surfaces change, but their interiors remain horribly, dully the same. I'm talking about Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, the Spielberg stuff and so on, in which you have all this spectacle and eye candy, but the actual heart of the thing is sort of empty. Right. I would. I would agree. Agree. You I would mean, agree. You oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's 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 uh, the production values are peerless and right, and the uh, the writing values are sketchy. The, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and so so for me, the thing is, well, the the literary possibilities are uh, that you can still have all the spectacle, as it were, because, you know, in words rather than prosthetics and CGI. Though CGI was um, wasn't even invented back when we were when I was writing books of blood. Um, but, but really, because it's because it's books, because it's words, because it's 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 this magical thing of co-creating with the reader, you can actually get inside people's heads in a completely different way, and you can actually uh, let me let me can I make a jump sure. from. Um, from a books of blood for a moment to something like a magica mm-hmm. where um i have a character called Pyopa, and Pyopa is uh is is uh, uh is genderless uh it is uh the projection of whatever you want it to be in a sexual uh um um scenario so uh, when the hero gets into bed with Pyopar Pyopar actually is protean it it becomes a she and then a he and then it gets very complicated now to me uh, the reason I go to Magic is because Magic was the first book that really allowed me to just go wherever the hell I wanted Oh, I mean, I was like, I, yes, there was horror in there. Yes, there was wild fantasy. Yes, there was plenty of, of, of sex. Um, and, and I suppose let's just stop on the, on the sex word for a moment. That is one of the things which uh, uh, interested me because I'd always, I always felt that horror fiction was actually a little lame when it came to, to dealing with sexuality because uh, so much uh, uh, of, of what, so much that is interesting about horror fiction uh, and actually about fantasy fiction too and given the fact you mentioned mutants about comics as well. And, you know, I'm a man who, you know, buys 30 comics a week. So, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about that stuff too. Um, What's what's interesting about it is is that very very deeply encoded in these forms in these stories in these kinds of stories 
is radical sexuality. And uh, we'd have to go back to Carmilla, uh, you know, the lesbian vampire of the 1850s, I think, to find sort of one of the originating um, erotic, uh, um, one of the characters that, 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 that That was uh, that informs informed this. Inform, yes, I was 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 the, the the author was 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 taking the fantastic and using it as a way to speak about the unspeakable. Now you did this, I think. I wanted to talk about one of the stories in Books of Blood because it, in the in the hills of cities, absolutely. You know, <laughs> that's I think the very first horror story that I ever read where the sex seemed kind of authentic and raw and, and scary. It's also, I think, the very first uh, horror story I ever read that featured two, two, gay, gay, men. two gay men. And so tell me about writing that story. Well, firstly, uh, neither Vernon, my agent, nor my editor, Bob Root, wanted me to publish it. They both said, this will destroy your career before it starts. And... Um, you know, won the World Fantasy Award. Uh, I, I even the British Fantasy Award. It won to a couple of awards anyway. So that was that sort of proved that wrong. It, it there was no doubt that the author was homosexual. Uh, I described the taste of semen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's gonna get, be a pretty good clue. Yes, yeah, a pretty good clue, right? <laughs> and it was very. It was a very conscious decision, you know. This is, I, if this, if horror is to be done honestly, truthfully, then sexuality has to be a part of that truth. And you can't, you can't do things by half, by halves. You know, you can't just, oh, well, um, uh, you know, when it's convenient, I'll bring on the holy water. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, that, uh, I, I wanted to be able to tell my personal truths in these stories. And, uh, you know, I, I've been an homosexual f since I realized that's what I was, a homosexual and a happy one. And, and, and one, of the, one of the happiest moments of my life, one of the the loveliest moments of my life was having a screenwriter here who was who who wanted to 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 do some work for us, uh, and at the end of the interview with Sarah from the guy with the guys in my film company, he he said, "Did I just have a word for you, Mr. Barker?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "I just want to tell you the first time I ever jerked off." was to uh, In the Hills of Cities. <laughs> and I said, that's an incredible compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that was as good as it gets. I, no, I guess. I could imagine that. Because, you know, I, you know this was, this was, he actually came out as a consequence of that story. And that's wonderful. 
That's what fi fiction is supposed to do, is help us discover that within ourselves which we cannot see. And that's what the new weird, just bringing this all the way full circle, is the, the new weird is the old weird rediscovering new things. That's a fantastic insight. Now, I want to ask you one more thing. You've been doing a lot of work in film and video and graphic novels. That's pretty different from painting, and it's pretty different from writing, sitting in your uh, uh, desk uh, writing prose. Yeah. Uh, tell me, do you, uh, tell me about writing, say, for video games. You've chosen things rightly which are collaborations, and I, 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 it can get a bit lonely sitting in your in your office uh, writing away. Um, I, you know, my day, seven days a week is, yeah, not, I mean, right now, because I'm finishing up on the book, I'm at my, I'm at my desk at 7.30, uh, knowing that you were going to be here uh, uh, this afternoon, and I also had a photo shoot, so, uh, which explains the baby oil. Um, the, um, the uh, you know, I'm shooting this book of, of, of male nudes called uh, Imagining Man, um, uh, which is, and I think this is relevant, which is a description both of what I'm doing in the book, which is imagining these men and recreating them. But, you know, I paint, I'm, I, I take the, very often the, the, I don't call them models, I call them collaborators because it's what they are, and I paint their bodies with, with elaborate designs and so on. Um, but I am also the imagining man. So the title has sort of a, a, a double meaning there, and I—that I, is—that is—that is, that is uh, exciting to me be, to have these moments of collaboration, in, in, whether it's in photographs, whether it's in uh, in uh, uh, video games, whether it's in movies. My my guys have just left today. To go to England to shoot Dread, which is uh, another books of blood story. Another books of blood story, and um, and uh, a guy who came into the company as an intern uh, six years ago, Anthony De Blasi, has written a brilliant adaptation and is directing. Now I want to ask about another books of blood story that just came out as a, a movie. Um, well, Midnight Meat Train. Midnight Meat Train. This is this is one of the great tragedies of my of my creative life. I use the word tragedy. I shouldn't use the word tragedy. Tragedies about death and things. This is just a movie, but uh, it's a it's a very finely crafted movie uh, by uh, Mr. Kitamura from from Tokyo, who moved his entire family over here to make this wonderful picture, and um, um, a man. Uh, called Peter Block, uh, uh, bought it for uh, Lionsgate, who've had, as you know, a lot of success with horror movies out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And Peter left Lionsgate just a few months before the picture was about to be released, and the man who replaced him, as is so often the case in this downtown, um, uh, decided to basically destroy the pictures that Peter had worked on. By, uh, by, well, for instance, you can't see 
the what the 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 week that Men Like Me train came out, which is three weeks ago, I would have had to have driven like an hour to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how that's how vengeful and petty and stupid this man Joseph Drake is. This is now. This is fascinating. Will it be out on DVD? Oh, of course, and it'll have oh, two and a half minutes. That uh, you know, uh, that that you know, weren't in the, the the theatrical version, but that still doesn't take away the fact that there is something marvelous about watching movies, horror movies, with a, a large audience. Oh no, yeah, it's. It, I one of my peak experiences was uh, I was seeing. Um, uh, Herbert West reanimator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 the Stuart Gordon film in a theater with a, a, a an audience that was completely into it. It uh-huh. was like it was like cheering on a Absolutely. football game. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, I saw that with Ramsey Campbell. I think. Uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, you're right. Horror movies, you know, they can be a wonderful. Uh, uh, the first Candyman movie it was wonderful watching people once they realized that this, it was about. Saying it five times, it was just wonderful. The certain theaters around the, the city, and I heard about this, so I went to check it out for myself. They were counting out loud, you know, Candyman, <laughs> Candyman. So uh, it's a wonderful experience, and uh, this, 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 you know, uh, this is a, this is a, a nice radio channel, so I'm not going to deface it with horrible words about Joseph Drake. He's just just a, uh, a little man uh, who who won't, won't destroy uh, a beautifully crafted picture, uh, but did stop a lot of people seeing it on a big screen. Now, there's been a lot of... Uh, there's I've read quite a bit of news of, of remakes of, of some of your original movies. Yeah. I mean, to my mind, nobody needs to remake Hellraiser, but I understand it's being remade. Uh, tell me about it. Well, I don't think I have anything to tell. Um, <laughs> I even heard, uh, and this is as recent as three days ago, the same thing is happening with Candyman. Yes, that's what I, I also heard uh, that. So, I mean... I, I don't think I have a lot to tell. I mean, I, I do know that uh, the two the the two Frenchmen who made Inside, which is you know pretty extraordinary picture, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, were hired to write and direct the picture, but then had a, a falling out with with with. Uh, uh, the folks over at Miramax and so on not doing it. I I stay a little bit away from those things uh, because there's a lot of there's a lot of rumor. There's a lot of things that that people say they're going to do and then they don't end up doing. And there's a lot on my plate, honestly, Rick, which which is happening. Well, you can when you can control Aberat. I mean, why why? Yeah, you're right. Um, the only thing to say is about Hellraiser uh, is that if they are going to remake it, it is my baby. And 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 Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead, is you know one of my oldest friends. So uh, I feel a, a little bit more um, loyalty, if you will, to that idea than I would to perhaps others. Uh, there's even been talk about remaking uh, a 
really wretched movie called Cold Rowhead Rex, which was based upon, again, one of the sources of books of blood. One of my favorite stories in a, in a movie that was, movie. was depressingly oh, sad. Oh. And now there's a point where I think yeah, that would be a great idea. Yeah. You know, actually, it's a, actually a movie is a story which could make it out of a movie. Um, we've got uh, an Aberat book in the pipes, and we might see this next year, 2009? I think that entirely depends. I think it will likely be the early part of 2010, because I think by the time I've delivered it and they, everything... Well, I don't know. You know what? It's all about timing, and I don't. I honestly don't know. It is a huge book. Of, you know, these are huge books, but this is actually bigger than the other two. Mm. Um, I, but I'm soon, and then I'm going just to just to finish that thought. I'm then going straight on to book four, and straight on from there to book five, mm. because I think I owe it to the readers mm. not to leave huge gaps and and. Um, I, they take a long time to write and paint. That's obvious. Now, uh, one other book that, that's been brewing for a long time is The Scarlet Gospels. And that will come along. I mean, I have a, you know, I have three drafts of it. Wow. And, and, and uh, uh, I just, uh, to be very honest, I got, I had a very, had a grim period in my life where a lot of very dark things happened and uh, the idea of, of going back and doing the fourth book the fourth uh, draft and sorry uh, of a 250,000 book uh, uh, with so much death uh, in my around me uh, just was was just a little too much for me at that point, so I, I, I did what I knew was best for my psyche, and uh, I think that's one thing. Probably I never talk about, which is the fact that this is because I treat this stuff with respect. It has an effect upon me, and it will be. Stupid of me to minimize and say, "Oh well, you know, it's 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 inconsequential." It isn't inconsequential. These things uh, affect me deeply. Uh, I'm we're sitting in this room surrounded by these paintings, which are very very intense. Uh, and and I, I'm thinking of a story, an old novel by Greg Bear called uh, Blood Music. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know. It's a very fine book. Uh, and I'm wondering if you ever think that... have One of the points of that book is that the concentration of all the intellects of these little blood cells, these intelligent blood cells, yeah. kind of creates like a, a mental black hole that, yeah. that, that changes the nature of reality. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting here surrounded by these paintings, and I'm wondering if you feel your, your reality is bent by... I mean... The intensity is, this is four deep paintings, Clive. I mean, this is a lot of really strange, surreal, and pretty powerful imagery. Do you, like, I mean, I'm not just talking about dreams. Uh, do you, in, in your waking hours, feel that this is like, we talked about imminence. I, I, I'm feeling a lot of imminence behind all these paintings. I, 
something is in something moves in me to make these pictures which I didn't know was in me and so I'm very um, respectful of that energy whatever that energy is it's very sexual uh, color is sexual the energy in the pictures I think is sexual Mm -hmm. um, it's very emotional. It's, it's absolutely not intellectual. No, I, there are no sketches for these things. There are no preparatory developmental ideas. There are no. There's nothing. There's just me going and 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 uh, in exactly the state in which you you see me right now. <laughs> um, And standing before an AK campus, psychologically and almost physically naked, and allowing whatever it is to move through me on unlocked. The the lesson I have learned is to get out of my own damn way. And it's taken me 55 years to get there, but I've got there. I've been speaking with Clive Barker. His latest book is Mr. Be Gone. Thank you for joining me, Clive. It's been a pleasure, really. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.